Welcome to the new podcast for WGTS 91.9's Gateway Fellowship, a place that is about inspiring hope. You can find out more about us and hear more messages at mygatewayfellowship.com. Well, it's official, I suppose we can say. It is now the beginning of the beach season, right? Right? Anybody here like to go to the beach? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Beach season is interesting in this area. All of us Washingtonians and Marylanders, uh, we make our annual pilgrimages over to Ocean City, Bethany Beach, Rehoboth Beach. And uh, what a great way to escape the heat and the humidity that we find in the Washington area. Um, Chaplain Terry, let me ask you a question. And this is a real question I really don't know. Does WGTS, the signal, make it all the way across the eastern shore to Ocean City? Almost. It stops a little bit in Delaware. All right, almost. Almost. Well, listen, I've got a great idea. I've been thinking about this. What if we were to start a sister Christian radio station over there on the shore somewhere? Wouldn't that be something? Take Jesus to the beach? Now, you know, I was thinking, too, if we were to take Jesus to the beach, if we had the radio signal going over there or a sister station, you're going to have to create an extension of the chaplaincy program there. You're going to have to have someone who is willing to make the sacrifice to spend the entire summer at Ocean City. Well, and I just might consider if you ask me. That's right. Now, I, tonight I want to inspire and stimulate your thoughts here as we open our Bibles. Uh, We're going to go to the beach with Jesus tonight. And I want you to open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 5. We're going to look at a story, one of my favorite in all scripture, and I think it's going to be a blessing to you. It's something that speaks to my heart. Let's join Jesus at the beach here in Luke chapter 5. And it says here, so it was. As the multitude pressed about Jesus to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats. How many boats? Two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then Jesus got into one of the boats, which was Simon Peter's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down And he taught the multitudes from the boat. I want you to picture in your mind morning on the water. It's one of my favorite times to be at the beach, early in the morning before the crowds get there. Except here on this shore, Lake Gennesaret, the crowds are already there, and it's early. The scripture has several different names for this body of water. Here we find it's called Lake Gennesaret. It's also referred to as the Sea of Tiberias or the Sea of Galilee. It's all the same body. The crowds got up early from their homes and went down to the shore because they want to meet the fishermen who have been fishing all night long. They want to be right there as they come back to get the fresh catch of the day. But there was a problem. Because we read here in Luke chapter 5 that as the crowds gathered and waited for the fishermen, the fishermen came back 
But the sea had been a miser that night. And all they had to show for their efforts were sore backs and empty nets. Disappointed and hungry, the people returned back to their homes. But Jesus, two of the most powerful words in the whole world, but Jesus. Jesus was on the shore that morning. He saw how they had turned away in disappointment, and he took advantage of the opportunity to start preaching and teaching about the kingdom of heaven. And as he taught, the crowds gathered around him, we see here in Luke chapter 5, so much so that he has to get in a boat and pushes off a little from shore to preach from the water. Jesus did not, on this occasion, feed their hungry bellies with fish. He did on other occasions, but not this occasion. But he did feed their hungry souls with the word of God. After a season of preaching, we read here in Luke chapter 5 that Jesus dismissed the crowd. He sent them home. He sent everyone home, well, almost everyone. There was one person he said, no, no, I want you to stay by. It was Peter. Peter had just had his school lesson for the day begin when everyone else was finishing. You know, I can remember being in school and when the bell would ring and the teacher would dismiss the class and say, okay, everybody, you're dismissed, except for you, Frank. I always hated that. Everyone else is dismissed, but not you, Frank. Stay up here within the front, please. Well, that's exactly what happens with Peter. Notice these verses here. Jesus dismisses the crowd, and we find here in verse 4, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon Peter, launch out into the deep. And let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to Jesus, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let the net down. And when they had done this, what happened? They caught a great number of fish, and the net was breaking And so he signaled to the partners in the other boats to come and help him. And when they came, they began to fill the boats so much so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees. What a picture. Saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. An incredible story. This evening, 
I want to remind you that the Bible isn't just a storybook. It's just not a history book about other people's lives in another time. The Bible is God's word. It's fresh, it's alive, it's relevant for your life and for my life. And so it's never enough to just read the word. We must always apply the word. We must always ask the question, what does this mean for my life today? Is there any counsel here for helping me this next week? What's going to help me from this story to live differently, to be a better mom, to be a better dad, to be a better parent? So tonight, I want to share with you just two little life lessons. As I've been reading this passage and how the Lord has been speaking to my heart, just two little life lessons derived from this story. The first one is simple, and it's very... Very basic, but it's very meaningful to me, and I hope it's meaningful to you. As I read this story, the first thing it says to me is this, that if you and I want to live a full net life, we have to have Jesus in our boat. If you and I want to live a full net life, Don't you want a full net life? We have to have Jesus in our boat. You know, there's an amazing contrast in this story. Did you catch it? Simon, Peter, and the other fishermen had been out all night long fishing. They had the boat. They had the crew. They had the equipment. They had the nets. They were all professional fishermen. All night long they fished, and according to the scripture, how many fish did they catch? How many? They didn't catch any fish that night. And that was fishing at night, which is supposed to be the best time to catch them. All right, now fast forward to the next morning. You've got the same fishermen using the very same boats, and the same crew, and the same nets, and the same professional skills. But in the morning, how many fish did they catch? Hundreds of them, thousands of them. The boats were full, the nets were breaking. Now what in the world was the difference? In the morning, they had Jesus in the boat. Do you hear what I'm saying? When we have Jesus in the boat, Jesus makes all the difference. If you and I want to live full net lives, we've got to have Jesus in our boat. Jesus in our life. When Jesus is in our life, he makes all the difference, friends. Now I want you to picture those disciples on the shore. There they were, they had been fishing all night, and what a pitiful sight that must have been. There they were with empty nets. And Chaplain Terry, I think there's more than what meets the eye to those empty nets. I think Jesus here is describing a certain kind of way of life, an empty net kind of living. What does empty net living look like? I think it looks like people who just have no aspirations. They have no goals. They have no meaning and purpose in life. They're just trying to make it through the day. 
You know what I'm talking about. Getting up in the morning, feeding the kids breakfast, hurrying off to work, working long, all day long. You come home, you feed the kids dinner, you help them with their homework, you watch some TV, and you go to bed so that tomorrow morning, guess what? You can do the same thing all over. Day after day after day. Empty net living. No sense of purpose in the life. Not making a difference in the world. Feeling like it's all for naught. There are so many people, people we know, maybe people here tonight, who live empty net lives. Lives of quiet desperation. Can you relate to what I'm saying tonight? Now, you know, it's possible that we can still have nice cars and live in fancy houses and have the most most up-to-date fashion clothes and have fat 401k accounts and we can still be living empty net lives. Jesus comes into our life when we invite him into our boat. He says, I want you to throw away those empty nets. I've got something better for you. I want you to live a full net life. And when Jesus comes into our boat, when Jesus comes into our life, he brings into our life true meaning and purpose. We know that we are here for a reason and that we matter and that we are making a difference for God. It doesn't mean when Jesus is in our life, we don't have problems. We still have problems. But through Jesus, the problems are a lot different when he's in the boat than when he's out of the boat. We find we have strength when Jesus is in the boat that we didn't have before. We have peace that we didn't have before. And I guess best of all, when Jesus is in the boat, we have hope. We have hope of a glorious future to come. That this is not all there is to this world, that the best is yet to come. And that the things that we do in his name now are storing up treasure in heaven. Jesus wants to offer each one of us a full net kind of life. I wonder how many of us have had that experience. If you haven't learned the joy, if you haven't tasted the pure, pure joy of what it's like to have Jesus come into your heart, to invite him into your boat, and to see that the difference he makes, I hope you'll make that decision tonight. Don't leave this church group here tonight without giving serious thought to that decision. If you want to talk to somebody, I'll talk to you, or Chaplain Terry will talk to you. We're here to talk to you. When Jesus comes into our life, it makes all the difference in the world. But perhaps there's some folks here tonight, you've already made that decision. But I want to remind you of something. It's not a decision we make once. It's not a decision we just make one time. We have to make that decision. We have to invite Jesus into our life, into our boat every single day. Because I don't know how it is with you, but I find in my own experience, I have a tendency to want to kick Jesus out at times. 
Self and worldliness crowds Jesus out of the boat. And so every new day, I've got to say, Jesus, I need you. I can't make it without you. Please be in my boat today. The first life lesson I get out of this story is simply that when Jesus is in the boat, it makes all the difference in the world. There's a second lesson I want to share with you. When I look at this story in Luke chapter 5, and I say to myself, oh, Lord, I want to have a full net life. I want you in my boat. I'm also reminded of this lesson, that it's in the area of my greatest strength that I need Jesus the most. I'm not sure you heard that. Listen to this. It's in the area of your greatest strength that you need Jesus the most. Let me explain. Jesus told Peter here in these verses to launch his boat into the deeper waters, to cast his net out. Now, on the surface, folks, I will grant you that sounds very simple. But let's take a look at that from Peter's perspective for a moment, shall we? Remember who Peter was and what he did. Peter was a professional fisherman. Fishing is what he did for a living. He had probably been taught how to fish by his father and by his grandfather before that. Fishing was Peter's livelihood. We can definitely say that fishing was the area of Peter's strength. It was his area of expertise, if you say. It was certainly his area of self-sufficiency. No one had to tell Peter how to fish. And yet here we find Jesus saying, Peter, cast your net into the water. Peter had fished all night long. They hadn't caught a thing. And now Jesus is saying, hey, it's daytime. I want you to push off into the deep and throw your net out. Peter's back was sore. His hands were cut by messing with the nets all night long. It would have been so easy for him to say, say what, Lord? Come on, and what? Excuse me, Lord, no, no offense here, but remember, I am the fisherman. Fishing is my thing, Jesus. Fishing is what I do. I don't tell you how to preach. I don't tell you how to teach, Lord. Fishing is what I do. I'll leave saving the world to you. You leave the fishing to me. Fishing was his area of strength. It would have been so easy for him to have just dismissed what Jesus said. You see, when Jesus, uh, Peter, when Jesus told Peter, cast your net out, Peter knew better. Peter knew better. You ever know better than God? He knew it was wrong. It went against everything he had learned and been taught all his life. He knew Jesus was wrong. Peter knew better. Fishing was his area of strength, and he didn't think he really needed Jesus' help in that area. 
He thought he could do it on his own. Now, what about you and me? As I look out at this group here tonight, I see some fine-looking people, and I can see that you folks have lots of abilities and talents and skills. We all here have areas of strength, don't we? Sure we do. If we had a chance to get acquainted with each other, we would find that there were probably many, many remarkable people here doing some incredible things. We all have our strengths. But I'm here to tell you something tonight. It's in your area of strength that you need God the most. You say, you say wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. Don't I need God where I'm weak? Yes, you do. But you need him even more where you're strong. You see, we get twisted in our thinking. We think, well, you know, there are certain things that I've got a grip on here. You know, I can handle this, God. I've got this in control. I'm doing okay in this area. I need you over here, and I need you over here, and I'm really weak over here. But I've got this. But the fact of the matter is the lesson Peter learned there that uh, morning on the lake and the lesson the Lord's been teaching this heart of mine, I hope yours too, is that I need him in every area of my life, weak and strong and all between. It's not enough to just ask God to come in and fill the gaps. He has to fill everything. He's not just there to fill the weakness, but he's fill, there to fill it all. It's in my area of strength that I need him the most. Because you see, it's in my area of strength that I tend to rely on myself. It's in my area of expertise where I tend to be the most proud. Don't, isn't that the way it is? And I don't know how it is with your experience, but I can tell you what, from my experience... Whenever I rely on myself, whenever I do it myself, I always come back with empty nets. Empty nets. Jesus taught Peter a lesson that night, that morning, I should say, that he never forgot. When I was a little kid... We lived in an apartment complex not too far from here, actually down in uh, Langley Park. And my mom always wanted my sister and I to know how to uh, swim. And the apartments that we live in didn't have a swimming pool. And so she had to take us over to another neighborhood that had a swimming pool, and we got swimming lessons. And I remember I was so excited about taking these lessons. And I wanted, you know, you know how it is, you've got kids and they're doing something, what is it they always say to you? Mommy, watch me. Mommy, look at me. Mommy, look what I can do. And I can remember mom would come to the pool, and I, listen, I had completely memorized that bottom of the pool. I knew exactly how far you could go out on your walking and then on your tippy toes before it dipped down. And I remember one particular afternoon, mom had come, and there I was doing my thing. Mom, look at me. Look at me. I'm swimming. Look at how I can do this stroke. And look how I can zing on my back. And I was just, you know, wanting her to watch and see everything I could do. So proud. And she was smiling. And she was shaking her head. And she was so proud of me. And you know what? Later on, I felt like an absolute snake. 
An absolute snake. I felt so guilty. She didn't know it, but the whole time I was showing her how much I could swim, I was right there on that very spot just before the dip, and I was actually on my big toe. I wasn't swimming at all. I was going through the motions of swimming and pretending to swim, but all the time my big toe was holding me up. And you know what? I think sometimes, friends, we do the same thing with God. We say, look, God, I believe. Look, God, I have faith. Look, God, I trust in you. When the fact of the matter is we're depending on our strength to carry us through. It's like that big toe. It's in our area of strength that we must depend on God the most. It's in our area of strength that we must be the most humble. Well, folks, I want to challenge you tonight. You know, there are a lot of times that Peter, bless his heart, got it wrong, didn't he? And, uh, you know, you've all heard those kind of stories about the times that Peter blew it. But this is one time Peter got it right. This is one time Peter got it right. Did you see what he said? You know, when Jesus said to him, I want you to cast your net into the water, what did Jesus say? Lord, we've been fishing all night and caught nothing but what? Because you say so, I will do it. Because you say so. That's faith. That's pure, childlike faith. Hebrews tells us the definition of faith is the substance of things, what? Hoped for, the evidence of things, what? Not seen. He didn't have any hope. When he threw that net in, he knew he wasn't going to catch any fish. But because Jesus said so. Wherever life's journey is taking you, we hope you can find a home at Gateway Fellowship, a ministry of WGTS 91.9. We'd love for you to visit us sometime. Services happen each Saturday evening at 6. You can learn more about us and get more podcasts at mygatewayfellowship.com.